This is the MIBTOnline.com podcast featuring recordings from our weekly and monthly live streaming meetings. To see the videos discussed in the podcast and be part of the discussion, please consider joining our association at MIBTOnline.com. Now, here's the show. All right, how you guys doing? Tim Kiefer here, MIBTOnline.com. We're having some problems with our primary stream right now. I think everybody in the world is streaming something, so it's not working, but we have our backup stream going on YouTube. So uh, we're gonna wait a couple minutes to let people get over here to YouTube. It's officially speaking, or uh, it's uh, MIBT online. You can search either one on YouTube. It's available on YouTube. We're, we're streaming on YouTube right now, live. We weren't, our, our Vimeo page, unfortunately the page we're sending everybody to um, is not going to be working. Hopefully people get in the chat and see to go, uh, go to the YouTube page which, uh, you know, I could have the exact link, but Robert's working in the chat room right now, Robert Ybarra. Um, so I, I can't get that link out, but it's, it's on, uh, it's, you can search MIBT online on YouTube, uh, or you can also uh, go to Officially Speaking on YouTube, and we are streaming live there. So hopefully people are, are coming in, and they're, they're probably going to get a bunch of text, and everybody's saying, what the heck is going on? Uh, like I said, technology is fun. Usually, we have not had any streaming problems until uh, till now. So I'm not sure why all of a sudden the uh, the, the service decided that they weren't going to accept our stream. But we do have YouTube up and running. So this will be recorded, and people can come back and watch it later. So if you missed anything, the beginning or whatnot, we'll get back to it. Um, and like I said, hopefully people will uh, will be able to get to that and and get to the, the live stream part of it. So I'm Tim Kiefer from MIBTOnline.com. Like I said, I apologize for this, this delay, for the, for the streaming issue. Um, but luckily, we are live. We are at least live somewhere. I guess it's nice to have backups um, when, when things like this happen. So uh, we're going to go to the, we're gonna just go through our meeting here and see what happens. So tonight, it's off-season meeting number four here at MIBTOnline.com. And here's the agenda for tonight. We're going to go through some announcements. Uh, we're going to have the play of the month, the poll uh, for March. We are also going to talk a little bit about the goal line, uh, lineman eligible play. We'll get into that maybe, penalty enforcement play. Play of the month for April. Here are the announcements. So membership. Uh, I want to remind everybody that uh, we have this great uh, online association. If you want to join it, $39 a year, and it doesn't matter when you join, it goes for the whole year. Uh, so please do that. $59 if you want insurance. It's a great, we can cover for all sports, by the way. So $59, you get a uh, million dollars liability insurance plus $10,000 supplemental medical insurance for the, any sport that you officiate. So there you go. I mean, that's a great deal just by itself. Nobody else is offering supplemental medical. You can get you can get uh, uh, liability insurance through NASO and others, but you're not going to get supplemental medical. So that's kind of a cool thing, any sport. So d don't forget about signing up if you get a chance. We also are going to make this a podcast version as well, so that way you can listen to it while you are driving in your car or maybe working out or whatever. You'll have to come back to see the videos, but you can at least listen. Uh, Facebook page, don't forget about that. We have a Facebook page now on IBT Online. Uh, it's right there. We also uh, have a Twitter account which is officially speaking, or MIBT online. Uh, so you can follow us there. That's where we also do our poll. Officially speak is what the actual Twitter handle is. 
uh, YouTube page. Hopefully we're there now. People are watching on YouTube because our other stream went down. So go to YouTube and hopefully we're, we're watching it there. MIBT online or you can look at officially speaking. That will uh, get you there as well for our, our live broadcast or any type of our plays of the week or any other things we might have. So don't forget about Bill Miney's best practices, or we're calling it Bill Miney's high school football officiating best practices this year. It's available at refereedvd.com. Go to refereedvd.com. You get all the information there as to uh, um, how to order the, the video. It's part of your membership at mibtonline.com. You get a streaming version. You also get uh, some discounts if you want a flash drive or if you want a, uh, uh, an actual hard copy uh, DVD. DVDs are going away, but we still keep that, that URL, refereedvd.com. So uh, our next meeting, and hopefully it will go as planned, will be May 20th, 7 p.m. May 20th. So I'm going to bring in the panel right now. And uh, first thing is, uh, first, uh, like I said, we're giving everybody just a chance to move over to YouTube. Robert, is, is, is people getting the message? They are. And thank you so much for cooperating in the chat room, sharing the links to the YouTube landing page. But yes, Tim, to answer your question, people are starting to log in. So thank you. Welcome. All right, Robert Ybarra, as, as you know, uh, he's over here. He's, been, he's with us every week. Um, I'm going to bring in Bill Lamagne. Bill is a, is a staple with us as, as well. Bill from his home in Tinley Park, Illinois. Bill, uh, how, how are you doing today? Life's great. Couldn't be any better. Looking forward to our evening uh, talking football. Talking football. And so now... Uh, I want to bring in our Hawaiian guest, and we have some we have some of these just you know to say thank you for being here and make them feel at home. It snowed here today in uh, Chicago, but uh, Matt Sumstein, Matt, how are you doing from Hawaii? Good to see you. Thanks for being here. I'm doing great. The lays are a nice touch. First time participant, so I'm pretty jacked to be here. Thanks for the invite. Hey, appreciate you, you being here, Matt, and uh, hopefully. Uh, I guess our people are coming on our on our YouTube channel, so that's good. So we'll we'll get uh, we'll get we'll get uh, going with that. And uh, we also have uh, we have Mike Bilka who joined us. We'll get uh, we'll get to Mike. Hey, Mike, how are you doing today? Oh, Mike just froze. Out. Well. It's good to uh, it's good to see you. It's great right. great to be here with uh, with Matt. All right, Thanks Mike. For Thanks for being here. So let's uh, let's get let's get to our our meeting. So play of the month. This is always a fun one that we send out. We, we do our play of the month. It's usually play of the week when we have our weekly meetings, but since we do them once a month now, it's, we call it the play of the month. And we put out the poll on Twitter, and I'm going to show the play first, so we'll go wide on the play. We're going to show the play and remind everybody what, what the play was. So we've got a scrimmage kick, a punt, which is then now fielded with a fair catch, and now the, the guy runs. And he runs, but it's killed. Everybody kills this. And... This is what happens. So the results of the uh, poll were 49 votes. We had 49 votes, and here were the results. Delay of game, one, was 78%. UNS got a, a, a 6%. I want to find that guy because, man, they're, they're bringing in the hammer with the UNS on this. And then dead ball, just a simple dead ball, came in at 16%. So I'm going to start off with, uh, with Bill on this one. Bill, you saw the play. This is, this is a rule. It's in there. It's one of those where how much do we give? You saw it. What would you have done? If you were the back judge or, or a side judge or a deep official on this game, how would you have ruled? Well, if you shut it down and you shut it down correctly, time, good timing on it, 
uh, and a player takes off with that type of uh, run, uh, you'll be totally supported with a delay of game penalty. Uh, I, I can't see going unsportsmanlike conduct uh, on it. But um, the other part to it, too, is maybe your game temperament is going to have something to do with it. Um, you know, if, if it's a game where you can kind of massage it and just get a new ball, I mean, you're probably not going to play with that football. So just get a new ball, put it down, and, and, and let's get going. Uh, uh, the good news is nobody, nobody lit this guy up because that would have caused – that would have been a compounding situation. But um, there's a part of me that says I'd massage it with no flag and talk to him. Um, and there's a, there's a part of me that says I, I, I'd have to support you if you put a flag down. So, Matt, you saw, you saw the play. You were able to uh, see it on YouTube and, and Twitter, and you just saw it again now. If, if you were a deep official or in Hawaii, how would you like your guys to rule on a play like this where the guy takes off after signaling fair catch? Specific to the rule, like Bill, I like the delay of game. I would support that. In fact, encourage that. Mostly because he turned up field with quite a bit of speed. And Bill again mentions, well, good thing nobody lit him up. Well, in that case, it's, it's likely that somebody might. Now, the other thing I look at is if that guy had caught the ball and used that speed to direct himself directly to his bench, I probably wouldn't support it as much because his bench is on that side of the field. But because he turned up, I would want the delay again. And I think where, where it comes in, where some of that judgment or philosophy comes in is, how far did he run? I know it's like you're saying if he goes right to the bench, you can kind of massage it that way. He turns up field. It's, he kind of put us in the position of we have to now call it because you are obviously running and delaying the game, and, and there's rules that, that dictate that. But I guess it's like what's, you have to always ask ourselves, what's enough? How far are we going to give him on this? And, and Robert, well, I'm going to – Oh, go I ahead, think what's Matt. more important is what, is what Bill brought up is – Good thing nobody lit him up. I mean, as soon as he turns up field, it's not, oh, it's a delay. It, we're, we're really concerned about the delay of game. That's the penalty. That's what we're going to enforce. But we're, what we're trying to prevent by calling that is having somebody commit something of, of safety, a safety-related foul. Well, well, that's important. You don't want – because then what do you do? Now are you going to call the guy who tackles him because he thought he was, he was acting as a runner and – now you've got offsets, or you've got a dead ball, two dead ball fouls, one's delay, one's a, a UNR. You're right. That, that, I agree with you on that. Robert, what is the chat? Is anybody in the chat saying about this? Or, or, or do you, I mean, how would you, how far would you give this? Yeah, well, thank you for asking as a back judge. You know, just a reminder for all us officials, especially back judges, before the game even starts, communicate with those uh, punt receivers. Ask the head coach. Let the head coach know you're going to be talking with the punt receivers. And you go talk to them, and you tell them exactly what you expect tonight as far as uh, a valid fair catch signal. Let them know. Let them know what your expectations are. And these are 17-year-olds that will listen to you because, believe me, they don't want to make a mistake. And then that will minimize the, the, the opportunities of this play even evolving like it did. Now, it happened, so you still officiate it. You have to ask yourself, do I need to throw my flag here for delay a game? What was taken away? If the opposing coach, who would have been the benefactor of a foul, complains and I don't have a flag down, I'm going to go give him the justice and say, hey, listen, I'm putting the ball in play where the fair catch was signaled, and, um, and that player will not be doing it again, and let's go. And you, and you let them know that you have addressed it, you made that decision, and we're playing on. Because, uh, you know, you don't want to be throwing flags unnecessarily. Personally, I don't like to have a lot of flags thrown in my position. So with that being said, 
they have to earn it. I didn't see anything taken away from here. The nearest defender I saw closest to the receiver was about five yards. I didn't see anyone get lit up like it was mentioned. So, you know, we got bigger fish to fry. Well, and I, and I appreciate Robert's comment because it goes right along with, with the poll. You know, you got two, one, about, you know, that's about where, where we were at. And I don't think anybody on the panel is going UNS. Personally, I, I think I kind of agree with, with, with Bill and Matt. I, I look at it once the, you make that turn upfield. Now you're, you're taking it to a level where you're not just, you, you're now extending that. Like if, if I have a, a player who runs and I blow the whistle and then everybody slows down, fine, I'm probably going to let that one go and say, hey, number 82, or what are you doing? And I, like Robert says to his point, I'm going to talk to him and say, why are you doing that? But now he just keeps running, run, Johnny, run, run, Johnny, run. I, I, I think he kind of, he, he puts us in a position of, hey, you created the issue. I got to do something about it. And go to, to Robert's point, you could just talk to him. Or to your guys' point, you could throw a flag. So we're going, to get, we're going to get on to our meeting now, but I want to um, hopefully we have people who have, show, who have joined us on the, YouTube, uh, on the YouTube stream based off of uh, some of the issues we were having with our normal stream. So the good thing we have a backup. It was nice that, it, that I've always had this backup, and I've never had to use it really yet. So I'm glad it's there because you just never know what, what's going to happen. But before we get to our plays, I want to go back to our special guest and, and Matt from Hawaii. Now, Matt put out a great video, and I want you to check it. Speaking of YouTube, it's on YouTube, and, and it's a great goal line uh, presentation on pylon plays and whatnot. Matt, what inspired you to, to do a video on the goal line and the pylon? I mean, it's been a, you've been kind of on a hiatus. You know, you put out a lot of videos, and now, you know, now it's like you put this one out. What made you, what inspired you to do this? Well, the goal line pylon has always been of great interest to me because the rules are so different from NFHS to NCAA to the NFL. And when I watched the NFL years ago, and I, there would be a pylon play, and I would say, oh, they're doing that all wrong. Well, in actuality, I was wrong in my interpretation because the rules were so different. So I, I wanted the high school groups, the NFHS groups, to understand clearly what did and did not extend the goal line. And then as I got into that, I said, well, I have to explain the differences. So I really, I, I took a seven minute video to 20 minutes because I, I expanded into the three rule, the, the three involved rules that I was talking about. Well, it is a great video and I recommend everybody go and check it out because he's able to move people's like the ball. Like he makes it go from one side to the other, which is really kind of a cool trick. So uh, go, go and, Check that out. And, and because, in honor of Matt being here today, we got a couple more goal line plays that I think we're, we're, would be good to talk about. And we're going to go into those now. So the, our first play, I want to go, I go wide on this one. And this is, you know, talk about a pylon play. This is where this comes into play, or this is what's going to happen. So you got the quarterback who drops back. you got to run up the side. Now, this is uh, officiated by seven, but it doesn't really matter. The goal line's the goal line. And, how we rule on it, we rule on it. So he's, he's extending. Now, as you see, they rule him short. You're going to get a, a close-up of this in a replay and, and where the ball is when he steps out. And you'll get, one more, you'll get one more look at this in real time. And it's where's the extension of the, of the ball and where, relative to where the player potentially stepped out of bounds. This goes right into the wheelhouse of what uh, what Matt was talking about in his video based off of where the ball is extended goal line based off of the player's position whether it's inbounds 
or out of bounds. So Matt, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start out with you on this one based off of this new knowledge that you were able, I mean, not new, that obviously you've always known, but you were able to you know, give to us through your video. You see a video like this, what are the questions are you asking yourself in regards to how to rule on it and potentially how this crew ruled on it? Well, like I explained in the video, in order to extend the goal line in high school, you have to have a body part down either in the field of play or in the end zone, which includes the goal line. So in this case, even though we only have one view to look at, it appears that the left foot is the last body part inbounds, and that's about the time that he's extending. So if he does not, if he hasn't stepped out of bounds yet, and he isn't currently out of bounds, that left foot would allow the goal line to be extended if it's in bounds, which it appears to be. So the best way to try to get that call right is to get your mechanics right. And in this seven-man mechanic, I think the side judge might have overrun that goal line a little bit if I were to look at it again. But um, the best way to get the correct ruling on that is to be in line with that goal line. And if those goal line triangles, what do you call those things? You guys know what they're called. The, the, the markers? Yard markers. Those, those G, let's call it the G spot. Oh, the G's. Correct. You take that goal line marker and you throw it over the fence somewhere. Those, those things are not necessary. We've got a pile on that marks the goal line. It gives you an opportunity to back up and get a good look. So um, just so I'm going to throw up the text number if you have any questions. Robert's in the chat. The chat's still working. Um, hopefully, Robert can get on the YouTube channel. There's a chat room there, too. So hopefully, you can see that. If you, go ahead and text us, though. If, you, if you're having trouble with the chat based off of uh, the streaming issue, you can text us at this number, 844-437-4345. If you have a question or a comment, we'll try to, try to bring it on the air here as we move through. I want to go back to the play because I froze it exactly where, where Matt was talking about. So we're going to go wide on this and about the mechanics of where the side judge is. So you can see the left foot is, I mean, from this angle, it's hard to tell whether he's out or not. And the side judge is looking at it, and it looks like that's where the ruling came. The ruling came there that he was out of bounds. But if that foot is inbounds, you know, where's the ball? Where is the ball when that... When that foot goes out of bounds, where's the ball? Is the ball dead over the end zone? Or is it across the extended, uh, the extended plane of the goal line? That's where the, the, what Matt was talking about, where that question is. And also referring to the side judge not being in a great position to look down and actually make that ruling. Now, Robert, uh, we've, you know, you're a back judge. You see the back judge coming across on this one. You can't really help on this as, from a back judge standpoint of view. You're just looking at the goal line. You really, you're not going to be able to offer anything to the, to the sideline official. Exactly. No, you don't want to uh, you know, basically come in with questions. You're only coming in with information, and there's not much information that you're going to be able to contribute on the pylon play like that. So, Bill, you see a play like this. We've talked about you know, goal line mechanics, and we've got some more clips specifically on goal line mechanics, but talking about the rule and the, and, the, and the goal line extended and being able to put yourself in a position, how, I mean, what would be your take on this if, if you were either evaluating it or you might have been the official on the field? Yeah, Matt's point, I, and I don't see this done enough at uh, sometimes small college games or the high school games. They need to move those markers back. And like you said, on the, on the goal line one, who even needs it, you know? Uh, they need to be moved back. When I started officiating back in the 70s, we worked right up on the edge of the line. And there were, we were constantly in panic mode trying to get out of there. Then we started moving back a little bit. 
off the sideline. And then all of a sudden we were at the back of the white. If we recognized the play like this was developing, being two to three yards off, off of that pylon, but looking straight down the goal line is where you have to be. Put yourself there first. It's easier to move forward. So mechanically, it was a tough, tough situation. Now, the thing I, I'll tell you, and this was from arena football, but it was because we used to, obviously, we had the boards that were right on the field. We used to say, if you had a play this close, go up touchdown so you don't have to officiate it back to back, you know, just get it <laughs> out of the way. Plus, they're going to score 70 points today, so what's one more touchdown, you know. But um, but this is a tough call, and, and the back judge could only tell you if he saw the ball broke the plane, but he has no business saying where a foot stepped out on something this close to the sideline. So that's the only solid piece of information that he might say is, is that the ball broke the plane. But I can't tell you in relation to in or out. So. so to finish this up, and we'll move to the next one, I want to go back to Matt real quick on the, on the still here. And just so we're, we're everybody, we're all, we're all on the same page. And like I said, go check out Matt's video because he goes, he breaks this down real well. So Matt, you see the, 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 the freeze frame here. And we'll go wide on it again just so we get another look at it. So let's just say we're going to do a little hypothetical here and say that now this is, with, this is the first piece of body part, the left foot stepping out of bounds. And when he steps out of bounds, when he, the ball is now dead, that ball has crossed the extended, uh, the extended goal line beyond the pylon. Do we have a touchdown, or is the ball out of bounds? That's, that's an interesting question because you said that, the, that that was his last step, and that step is out of bounds. So if that step is out of bounds, it will not extend the goal line, and you have to revert back to the previous step that was in bounds. So if that is the only body part touching, and it is touching the sideline, he does not get the extension. So that's a really good point, and that, that's why I wanted to clear, make sure we were crystal clear on that, that if this, is, if this player stepped out of bounds, and when he's now stepped out of bounds, it's crossed. It, it's not, it is not a touchdown. We have to go back to where the ball crossed the sideline because he did not have that body part in with the extended goal line, having something in bounds to get that uh, benefit of having the extended goal line. So, I mean, yeah. I just want to make sure we're all clear on that. Robert's got a question from the chat. Robert, what do you got? Yeah, just a question from the chat. We have an experienced five-man uh, official, person that works five-man mechanics, and he's always been trained to angle back away from uh, the pylon in such a manner where he's not in harm's way. But he's saying, how, how does that official then have a good view on that sideline? He's just repeating that question, but he's just wanting help on how he would be able to manage that. See, now, this is a... We're going to talk a little bit about mechanics, uh, five-person mechanics in a minute on how to, how to handle a play like this because we do have the side judge here. Now, if you don't, if you just have a back judge and you've got a, a wing official coming down, it's going to be very difficult. It's going to go back to what, what Bill said. What Lamani said is that we're just going to, we're going to go with our best estimate here, and if it's, you know, we're going to do what we can because we only have five officials. But if you're on the goal line, you're going to have to work back, and the thing is if you work straight back, I don't think anybody can tell me they can't see the line still. They can't see where, if you keep that wide frame, if you move back and you keep that frame as wide as you can, your eyesight is going to be able to pick up both. You're not going to have to focus on one and go to the other. If you're closer, you're going to have to move your eyes and move your head, and you may not catch a, a guy going out of bounds before the ball breaks the plane or if we've got a body part in and extended goal line. 
I think that's why we're saying you still want to move back because you want to have that perspective right down the goal line to know if that ball crosses or not. If you're looking from an angle, you're not going to get that, but you can definitely see at that range if somebody has stepped out of bounds or gotten on the white or not. Uh, we'll, we'll finish this up with Bill. Bill, you agree with that, right? I mean, if I am right down the line and I'm working back, I still should be able as a, as a wing official, whether it's short wing or deep wing, to see if somebody steps out of bounds if I keep that angle and keep the best amount of view possible. Yeah, the depth off the sideline is going to give you the opportunity to see the foot see the, and have a knowledge of the goal line. And then again, keep some other factors. It, it really appears here that that foot's at about the two-yard line. What, he's reaching forward. Eh, what has he got, a 36, 35-inch reach? You know, I mean, you do some pre-preparation on things like that. You see the spot he stepped out, what his body position is, and that could give you some insights as to whether the ball is breaking the plane. You know, if he's standing straight upright, He's only going to get about a one-yard reach. If he's prone or leaning forward with a, with a reach, he's maybe going to get some more. So those are just things you have to do with that snapshot picture. And now, if it was old SEC, they would have just pivoted from five yards in the field of play and looked at it from the inside out. Well, and they, would have wear, they would have been wearing white knickers, too. So we don't do that's that true. anymore. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's yeah, – I wish Stan was there. <laughs> exactly. This is a tough call in a five-person game if you're coming down. You're just going to have to make the best call possible. Let's go to our next play. So our next play is similar, dealing with the goal line, but now it's the other direction. So we've got a team that's got the ball at the 10-yard line. We'll go wide on it. They're coming out, and so different things can happen now. So, but the rules are, are, are still the same in regards to the ball. How, you know, where, where's the, the ball? So you see the quarterback is, is sacked. The ball potentially is loose. You get a close-up on this. The ball looks to be rolling around, and where is possession maintained, and where is it down, and is the ball you know, for progress? Where is the ball? You get another view of this in, in, in real time, and here, here you go. Where is the ball? Do we have a safety? Do, do we not? And starting out with Bill, Bill, you see a play like this, we have to remember Starting at the 10-yard line, most likely this is going to be the referee. The referee is going to have the goal line responsibility. We'd like to see the, maybe the referee work a little bit further out so they'll have a view of it. But we've got some things in play here. We've got a loose ball, and now once the ball and uh, possession is reestablished, now where's the ball? Forward progress. And I think sometimes we forget that that ball has to come completely out. If any part of that ball is touching the white, it's, it's a safety, correct? Well, your point there is about the ball coming out. If, if he had never lost the ball, you've got something to hang your hat at that forward progress was definitely in the field of play. But being that that initial hit caused the ball to come loose, when does he regain possession of the football? Uh, just because he starts to grab it maybe at the half-yard line or the quarter-yard line doesn't mean he's got possession. So when would you deem possession, just like you would a catch? Um, if he doesn't maintain or doesn't get that possession until it, the ball is in the end zone, then you're going to end up with a safety on this play. And that's a, a, a huge point here because I agree. If he's maintaining that possession all the way through, yeah, you, you've got easy forward progress here, but you don't have forward progress when you have a loose ball. Somebody's got to nope. have the ball before you can, you know, offensive player, before you can deem that forward progress has stopped. And once that ball is 
repossess, whether it, you know, defense obviously could be a touchdown or it could be first and 10 for them on the one, or vice versa, if the offense retains it, where do they retain it? Was the ball in the end zone or was it not? I'm going to throw up the text number here real quick again. So remember, you can text us if you have a question or comment, and we'll try to get to you. I'm going to go throw it over to Matt now. Matt, you see a play like this, and you know sometimes we, we never want a cheap score, you know, cheap turnovers, cheap scores, but we also want to make sure we see the whole play. To Bill's point, that ball's loose. Forward progress doesn't stop. We don't have forward progress here until that possession is reestablished. Yeah, that's right. I, I like when you've got a goal line that's being threatened in, in a reverse goal line scenario that one of two things happen. Either help from the wings, which is difficult when you snap from the 10, or if, as soon as you see the quarterback in trouble, maybe the referee can rotate around the outside to get a better look at what's happening nearer to the goal line. But when I watch this play, we have a trips right formation or a trips near as we're watching it, and two of those receivers go down and block. So if you're working the wings, that's a good indicator to you that this is a screen pass and enables you to back into that play a little bit. On the opposite side of the field, because we have trips on the near side, then the tackle is going to be pretty much uncovered unless the umpire can get him. And when that receiver did his down and back real quick, that's also an indicator to you that you can come back, check that tackle, see the duress, come back, maybe help a little bit nearer, nearer the goal line. No, that's, that's a great point. And we talk about this a lot here, about having that football IQ. Being able to read a play, understand what's going to happen, to put yourself in the best position to officiate it. Just like you were saying, if you see the receiver's block, you know it's probably not going to be a pass downfield. So let's put ourselves in a better position, especially when the goal line is threatened. Now, mechanically, in a five-person game and even a seven-person game, we say this falls on the referee. And we mentioned earlier we'd like the referee maybe to move out a little bit. But to your point, why can't we help on this as a short wing? Or if we're in a five-person, if we're just the wings, we're, we're, we shouldn't be flowing downfield on, on this one. We should be able to help. But it, it's going to get to that point of where was the ball. If I'm a wing, I might be able to come in and help and say, hey, did you see that ball? He didn't have it. And now when it was, and ask the referee, when was that possession reestablished to determine whether or not we were, we were beyond the goal line or not. So I think those are all excellent points. And it's, we never take a playoff. Backside officials as well, the official on the, on the top of the screen needs to stay active and be part of this because they can offer information that may save us in regards to whether or not this should have been called a safety or maybe for progress at the, at the half-yard line. Either way, having that information is key. Robert? There was a lot of chatter from the chat room on this play. In, in summary, the, the discussion from the chat room and those viewing are, you know, can the wing officials truly help? There's a lot of discussion related to where the ball's being snapped. Yes, if the ball's being snapped inside the five-yard line, then the wing officials and five-man mechanics work back immediately and then, uh, and then work from the goal line back forward. But in this case, the ball's being snapped way beyond the five. So now, now it's determined, can the wing officials still help? And the answer is yes, universally. Wing officials can help the referee here, yes. It's important. I think, and I think Matt hit that on the head when you know having that football IQ so we're gonna now move to our next play which is also an end zone play but now it's gonna be a little bit more about mechanics and we had that first play that we showed which you know if, if you're working a five-person game it's gonna be tough to make calls on the goal line sometimes because of the le missing that deep official so 
Let's go wide on this play, and, and you can see the line of scrimmage is, is roughly, well, we'll call it the 22-yard line. So that means, just to go over mechanically, in a five-person game, that means that the back judge has goal line responsibility. Head linesman, in this case, will also will have the sideline and can help, so it's kind of a tandem coverage, but ultimately the goal line is the responsibility of the back judge. So we'll go back wide, we'll let the, we'll let the play run out, and this is an interesting one because you've got the goal line threatened, and then you've got a tip ball, and we've got, we end up having a touchdown here by, by the uh, receivers. You know, the ball's tipped, looks, I don't see any DPI suspect or anything like that. But I want to talk about the mechanics of both the, the headlinesman and the back judge. So if we go back to this, we're going to see on this play when they get there, right now we're going to stop it right here. The back judge is in good position. But my question to the back judge would be, is the goal line threatened in this case? Because read the trajectory of the ball. We're not going to have a bang-bang goal line play. This is either going to be over or it's not. I mean, or, it's, or incomplete, I should say. It's, either going to, it's clearly over because right now the ball, basically if you look at it, it's up here. It's probably crossing the plane of the goal line right now. So we're not going to necessarily have a bang-bang play. Robert, if you were the back judge on this play, what are you thinking? Where are you, are, that's going to be threatened? Are you thinking the goal line's threatened after you read the trajectory of the pass? Timmy made a great point, the trajectory of the ball. The trajectory of the ball takes you, first you know at the snap you read your keys, and then you uh, go immediately to zone, and then the ball. When you see that ball is going to break the plane of the goal line, you don't want to be in position where you're schnookering yourself. You want to breathe and get to a position where you can get stable so your eyes aren't bouncing, and that would be not at the goal line, but actually closer to the end line, and you can be set and look into the play. Therefore, you're putting yourself in best position to make a good judgment call on this uh, catch or no catch. Because if we go back to the play, you'll see, we'll go wide, you'll see that what ends up happening is that our, our back judge closes down. So he basically loses his angle on the play. Because if now if you've got some potential ball hitting the ground or whatever, now our head's moving to Robert's point. We're not being able to lock in on this. I think it's great hustle by the headlinesman. You see him come in from the right. And he's helping out, and I think they communicate very well. We talk about this a lot here. We don't want to officiate error. We want to use, when we have five officials, we have to put ourselves in the best uh, position angle-wise to make sure we've got the field covered, that we have this play basically covered 360 degrees. Now, it's easy to sit here and, you know, on, a, on a Wednesday night and, you know, and just play Monday morning or Wednesday night quarterback and say, well, the back judge should have done this, and that's a bang-bang play. And, He's on the goal line where he's supposed to be because it's goal line responsibility. I don't have an issue. This is taking that game to the next level, being able to understand what the ball is doing, reading the players, and, and putting yourself in a better position to potentially rule on a play like this in case the end line ends up getting threatened with that bobble. Matt, you know, you, you talk a lot about mechanics on the videos that you've done, the Aloha Clinic stuff, for years. And, you know, using five puts us in a, a precarious situation a lot of times, especially when you see the luxury of seven. And seven, this is never an issue. How would you instruct your back judges and other officials that you see to maybe officiate a play like this? Well, I like what you bring up about not letting the goal line tie you down if you've got a trajectory that takes you beyond that. But 
quite honestly, we're talking about a period of less than two seconds when you can read that ball and then reposition yourself. And that I think that's a lot to ask. It's okay to think it. It's okay to be ready for it. But to say that uh, you're going to be able to put yourself in a much better position in less than a second after you read it, it's, it's really tough. Now, mechanically on this play, I thought the receiver got pretty close to the sideline, near the five-yard line. So I thought the the totality of the call would have been better made by the, the, line of, the line of scrimmage official since he had a good look at that sideline. And he was the second person to signal. So hopefully that, that wing judge signal to the back judge were okay on the sideline and the back judge signal touchdown. But it's something to be aware of as a back judge that if you've got a receiver who's tight on the sideline, to make sure that the sideline is clear before you signal. And that's a great point. When I mentioned it, you know, you, you saw them kind of go up together. You know, maybe the back judge went up just before the, the, the headlinesman. But you're right about the communication standpoint because as a back judge, I don't want to be going like this until I make some sort of communication, eye contact, nods, whatever we want to do, points. Every crew does it a little bit differently because, it, you know, it's easier to, to go up like this slowly than to take this and bring it back down and try to, explain that mess when you've got another official coming in like this or another official coming in like this and marking a spot. That is what we don't want. And taking that second to take a second look in order to have that communication is a great point, and, and it would have been nice. Robert's got a question from the chat. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of chat discussion about what Matt said about the back judge only having a second or two to get to the end line. Um, being a back judge, you have good positioning at the snap and you're 20 yards in advancement downfield, when you feel the pressure of those receivers moving, it takes you directly to the goal line. But as you see their speed continuing, you're not recognizing that the goal line is threatened anymore. You can recognize that at the seven-yard line. So you're already in the end zone, and you are ready near the end line to be in station position. So it's not one or two seconds. You should be reading that way before that. I would give it five seconds. So... I, Robert's point is that there is a little bit more time. Matt made a good point that you only have a couple seconds. And, and that's why I wasn't, when I said earlier, where I don't want to be too critical on this because, yeah, we got the, we've got the luxury of looking at it later. But I guess it, 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 what, it's what takes your game to, from this level to this level. If you're able to recognize a play like that and move. This ended up not being an issue. This was easily, easily called by both officials, clearly a catch, Clearly a touchdown. So no controversy here whatsoever. But if you can just take your game to that next level and be a second ahead, to Matt's point, yeah, maybe you're there, you're right on the goal line, you didn't have the time to move, fine. But what I would have liked to, to see, to go back to this, to kind of go what, to what Matt was saying, is that when you're locked in, stay locked in. Stay right there. There's no sense now. You're stuck. You might as well not move. You're going to have a better view of this shot right here. Stop. Lock in and make a ruling because you're not going to be able to get to the end line. What this official does do, he runs to it. That's where it's like, okay, are you really seeing what you want to see because your head's bouncing, it's moving around. I, I think you know, going, if, if you take Matt's philosophy that he didn't have enough time, great, I'm with you, but stop. Lock in, take a look. If you go to Robert's philosophy, you could have been over the top, game to that next level, looking in, from the end line. I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give Bill Lamagne the last word on this, and we'll move on to the next one. Bill, what, did, what is your take on, on the, uh, some of this discussion? 
There's some good points made by both Robert uh, and Matt. But the, here's the one key thing, because we see this happen with too many officials. If they're ball hawking this thing and ball hawking it too long to get that trajectory, they're going to miss the hold, the pass interference, the OPI. You've got to – you once you've read the that the pass is in the air, people are your priority. You have to watch people. Now, maybe with that, you pick up the speed of the players, and that allows you to go deeper in the end zone. Or if they're doing a turn at that point and stopping, you stay at the goal line. So you, But don't ball hawk. That's, that's the one thing on this play that you better be really careful of. Don't be ball hawking this thing just to get deeper, or you're going to miss potential defensive pass interference, OPI, holding, et cetera. All right, so we'll move on to our next play. Appreciate all the, uh, the comments of people in the chat and whatnot asking the questions. So we'll move on to our next play. Once again, this is also a goal line mechanics uh, play. Now, this play does have seven officials, but it doesn't matter because the ball is being snapped inside the seven. So whether it's five or even seven, the wing officials, the short wing officials, do have the goal line responsibility. And I want you to focus in on the headlinesmen on this play because we're wide on this. There's a couple things... It, in play here that not just the goal line it's second down but you've got a line to gain here you have a goal line and a line to gain and i want you to watch how this official up on this on the the headlines but up at the top of the screen handles this play so here he goes he moves to the goal line like he's supposed to now it's short he comes back and he marks and watch this he kills the clock what does that tell me that tells me that this official knew where the line again was he knew where the goal line was. He comes back and he marks it. This is exactly what we're looking for in regards to handling a goal line situation like this, knowing those two lines. We get the question all the time, what's more important, the goal line or the line of game? I have always said that they're, they're equally important with the goal line maybe being just a tad more because that's where the points are scored. The line of game on a second down isn't as important as maybe it would be on a third or a fourth down, but that line again is still important to have that, that uh, ability to recognize both lines and be able to know where the spot was like this official did and come in and kill it with lots of confidence. He knows he's got a first down. Bill, when we look at video, you know I look at tons of video and I know Matt does too and we'll get to him in a second. It's rare. We, we, I mean, this is, we don't see this a lot, like handling a play like this. So I definitely wanted to show it because this is the, what we want to see, correct? Oh, no question. Uh, too often, I mean, how many times do we say, and we go through the motions of saying down and distance, you got to know it before the snap, and then a play happens that results in a new first down and we don't see anybody killing the clock. This is an example where he's got multiple things to worry about, a goal line first and then the potential new first down. And he, he's got it. He's, he's just like he's done this a thousand times before. And that's how you want it to appear. You, you don't want it to look like, this. is this the first time you've done this today or in your career? So well handled by this wing official. But don't go through the motions of saying down a distance. Put it into practicality. So, Matt, all the film that, that you have looked at over the years, and to Bill's point, you know, sometimes we see some lackadaisical stuff. We see some really good stuff. And it's nice to show some good mechanics when you see something, you know, to outline a way to handle a goal line and a line, line to gain. Would you agree? Tim, I thought your point about what's more important was excellent. 
especially as it relates to what down is it. So if that's fourth down, I would give the line to gain equal or even greater importance. So I would have a hesitation at the at the line to gain on fourth down, and then move with the play. Sometimes some some like what you do in reverse mechanics, where you go back and you come out with the play. But if you if it's fourth down and that's your line to gain, that's a very important line. So I would say hesitate at that line before before going down and coming back if it's fourth down. The other thing that jumped out at me at this video, and you guys have heard me talk on my videos before about how irritating this is to me, is you got a couple of ball boys dicking around with the football at the goal line. Uh, those areas should be clear, and that's part of your, your pre-play mechanic is to make sure you've got room to work. Well, I, I stopped it right there. We'll go back to the video to, to, to Matt's point. You'll see the right behind... Uh, we'll go wide on the video. You'll see, you'll see right behind the, the official there, you got the two ball boys. So if the goal line was threatened, that pylon was threatened, that's a big guy. He's probably, it's going to be – so the way I look at that one, Matt, going back to you, if, if he's got to go back, it's going to be like a bowling ball. He's going to split them, and they're going to go flying in each direction. Well, here's, here's another point. If you look at those ball boys, they've got a football on the ground. So if he does back up, the referee's going to the ground. Yeah, that's a good if you watch point. it slightly after that, they're tossing the ball around. It, it's, it's super important and something that needs to be paid more attention to. No, that's a great point. You know, you're right. The ball is on the ground, and if he steps on it, twists the ankle, we got, we got a whole bunch of different problems to deal with. So um, it's a good play. So we'll go on to our, our, our next play. We're going to go a little bit longer just because we had a couple minutes uh, of our technical issues trying to get everybody uh, – on with the YouTube stream. Hopefully people are having no problems now with the YouTube stream. Once again, I'm glad we had the backup. Hopefully we didn't lose hundreds of viewers. We'll put the text number back up again. We're going to go through one more play, and then we'll go to our play of the week. Uh, there's the number. Any last-minute questions or comments, 844-374-345. So you can text us. Robert is monitoring that. So we're going to go wide now on this play. And this is an interesting one. So I want to start out by, by let's, uh, we'll take the number down because it's important to see, uh, to see everybody out, out there. So, all right, this works. This, I like this view. All right, so you've got, you've got let's go through the formation. We've got a, a split end. We've got, it looks like a covered receiver. We've got some linemen. We've got a quarterback, a back, and we've got, looks to be two receivers in the backfield. So, we have a, what appears to be a, a legal formation. We have four in the backfield and at least five on the line. But the interesting thing is, is that this slot receiver, you can't really see it. We'll go, let's, go, let's go wide completely on it, and I don't know if you can pick it up. He's wearing number 71. So this is one of those goofy ones. So he's wearing number 71, so we're going to let this play run out here. So 71's out there, and the ball gets thrown him. Now, he doesn't touch the ball. It's real important. He does not touch this ball, but it's thrown to him. And we've got receivers. He's not downfield, but the ball is thrown to him. Now look at the quarterback. You can, is, you know, is a quarterback, and what's going on with him? So here's the question <laughs> on this play. Number 71 doesn't touch the ball, so we don't have illegal touching. We're not even going to go there. We're going we're to leave. That's the last time you'll hear me talk about that, right, on this play, because that doesn't happen here. But we have a potential intentional grounding situation because the ball is being thrown to not an eligible receiver. So it's, it's not, there is no eligible receiver in the area. So is this play, would, this should have been, should this have been intentional grounding? 
So I'm going to go to Bill on this one because this was a play that Bill and I saw over the, over the winter, and Bill had some comments on it then, so I wanted to bring it out now. Bill, is the quarterback under duress enough to where we would want to call this intentional grounding? Looking at it again, I, I, he's in trouble. He knows it. That's why he's flipped the, throwing the ball out that way. Uh, does he really know he's throwing it to 71? Uh, he's the guy that called the play. He should know where 71 is. But he may not in that, manic, that instant of panic mode, he may not have realized it was 71. Does that excuse him from grounding? No, he's required to throw it into an area where there is an eligible receiver. Um, so we've got, a, we've got a grounding call here. He, uh, it, it Was it intentional on his part? No. It wasn't. It was, I said that to a coach once. Matter of fact, it was to Bob Stoops. I said, I said it wasn't intentional, you know. It, it, you know so it, what, what was the, what's the issue, you know? Intentional. Non-intentional, intentional grounding. Yeah, that's, that, that would be an interesting, an interesting uh, discussion. So, Matt, you know, I, I'm without kind of going in, I know you're here as just a, as a friend of, uh, of MIBT Online and the talk, so I'm not asking you to divulge any official information about the Federation, but the Federation this year did make intentional grounding a point of emphasis based off of us not necessarily as officials across the country being consistent on how we call this you know, unfortunately, because of the differences in the rules between college and NFL, blah, blah, blah. So based off of what you know, and it being a point of emphasis, a play like this, how do you think you would have ruled? Uh, it's grounding. I, I think it's grounding in every code. So I'm, I'm with Bill. It's, there's no duress rule in high school. There is in college, and there is in the pros. But uh, I think he's under duress from a standpoint of those guys closing on him. And in high school, there is no such rule regardless. And, and he ditches it. Now, they knew 71 was out there, and so did the defense, because the defense didn't cover him. So this was a known trick play. And if you're going to run a trick play, we run by the adage that you better run it perfectly, and that was not run perfectly. So I like the grounding call. However, at the end of the play, I didn't like the coach coming on the field out to the numbers. <laughs> yeah, no, that's never – Never a good thing. We don't want we don't want coaches out on the field uh, ever. But real quick, just to just to kind of from what you from what you know, Federation did make a grounding. It's going to be a point of emphasis this year. What what was the reasoning behind that? Is from what you understand? Well, I, I understand it pretty well. The, there was a number of proposals that tried to get quarterbacks who are out of the pocket, similar to the NCAA rule. And I don't want to get into the details of where they were lining that off, but just let's just similar to the NCAA rule. And that was, uh, that went down in a ball of fire. So as a result of that going down in a ball of fire, uh, somebody said, well, we better make it a point of emphasis because we're not the college game. We're not voting the way the college game is going to be. So we better start calling this the way it's intended to be called at the high school level. So that was the, pretty much the summary of those conversations that took a, a day and a half. Well, you're going you're gonna to get more on this, I'm sure, as uh, we move forward in off-season meetings and as states disseminate that information. But rem just for everybody out there, you know that this is a point of emphasis, intentional grounding. I think Robert did have some comments from the, uh, the chat or questions. Go ahead, Robert. I just want to say we have a very intelligent group. There were posts, comments, I mean by a string load, saying it was intentional grounding before anyone from the panel started uh, to share their, their expertise on this place. I was really delighted to read all that. 
Some also commented on the importance of making sure this is a spot file, loss of down, and being sensitive to that. We had a comment, uh, person comment about the importance of the wing official, you know, coming in emphatically explaining that there's not an eligible receiver in the area because this is teamwork. And uh, just the fact of the wing of, uh, official being a co-crewmate on this decision is, is fantastic. So I'm, I'm just excited to share all those wonderful comments. And that's a great point. As wing officials, we have to come in and communicate. And there's going to be more information on intentional grounding. We did a video, a, a little mini video on it from here at MIBTonline.com. It'll probably be coming out here at some point. Um, so, che so check that out and, and wait for it. And Robert's got something else. I, because I promised this gentleman I would ask the question. He said, can anyone share the, the, game, the time on the game and the score, and will that have any impact in your decision? Just throwing it out there because I said I would ask the question. Okay, so I will, I will leave this one with Bill. Bill, if you've got the time and score, it's lopsided, or, it's, or, or would you take any of those considerations or those factors into consideration when making a call like this or not making a call like this? Um, if that's the team that's ahead with it, they're going to get called on it all day long. If that's the team that's behind and it's two minutes to go in the fourth quarter, what's the point? You know, I mean – it's not a player safety foul. Move on with life. Um, could you could you massage it then? Yeah, you just be prepared to take take some guff for it, you know. But you're not wrong if you call it. But could you massage it in a lopsided game for the losing team? Um, I've been known to do it. <laughs> it's good good advice. All right, so we're we're gonna finish things up uh, with our uh, so. So now it's time for MIBT Online Play of the Month for this month, for the month of April. And we've got the play all ready to go. So we're going to go, we're going to go wide on this play. And we're going to just play it on out. I want you to focus in on the line, the line play and all the offensive players. I want, we're going we're to look at all the offensive players. We're going to play this out. And here it goes. So, anything happened there? Let's run it again. We're going to run this play again. People are moving around. Everybody's kind of moving around. Is everybody set? Blah, blah, blah. So, here is the question. Oh, it's gone. Okay, is this play a false start, an illegal shift, or a legal play? It says for March, supposed to say April, but whatever. So, that, the, the question is this play, when you look at it, and we'll show it one more time, is it a false start? Is it an illegal shift, or is it completely legal play? So let's go back and look at it one more time. False start, illegal shift, or legal play? All right, there you go. So that's the play of the month for April. It will be on Twitter. It will be uh, at Officially Speak. That's where it is, on Twitter. We'll have the poll up either tonight or tomorrow morning. It'll be up for a week. Go ahead and take the poll. We'd like to hear what you have to say so we can talk about this play next month. So I want to thank everybody who uh, viewed and got in and, and was able to pivot and go to our alternate stream. I apologize for the stream, the initial link not working. I'm still curious as to why that was. But uh, I'm glad we were able to get most people to pivot over there. And that's why I guess it's, it's great to, to have backups. And, and we didn't get to Mike Billica. I want to bring Mike in real quick. Mike, uh, sorry we didn't get into you. We just got a lot of stuff here. So 
before we go, I'm going to give you kind of like the, the synopsis, Mike. What did you learn from tonight? What, do you, what, what's, what are you going to take away from tonight and, and to make you a better official? Um, the importance of crew mechanics and pregame conversation about goal line plays, grounding, and about what everybody's job is on every play. Um, it's so important to talk about it before the heat of the moment so that when the moment actually happens, everyone knows what to do and where we're going so it doesn't take five minutes to work out the call. Perfect. I think that's a great takeaway. That's a great nugget. So, Mike, thanks for giving us a synopsis. I appreciate you being there. We'll get, we'll get back to you next month. Mike's had a bunch of plays. we got some stuff to talk about. Looking forward to that as we, as we move on. So I want to uh, thank everybody who was in the chat, everybody who texted, everybody who you know, com was able to communicate with us. Robert Yabar over here, thank you for uh, watching everything and, and doing. And any last questions that came up here before we, uh, we call it a night? Yeah, I do want to bring up something. One, they, there was a gentleman that wanted us to share the recruitment video information to help promote officiating wherever they happen to reside. And I think that's just fantastic that someone even asked for us to mention the recruitment video, Tim. So that, that was wonderful. And then also someone asked if they can uh, complete the poll on Facebook for this play of the week. Well, yeah, we'll put the poll on Facebook, our Facebook page. Also, let's throw up the text number here real quick. Again, you can also text me your answer if you don't have Twitter. You can text us your answers, and we can, uh, we can add them to the percentages later. I, I, have, I can figure out the math normally. Sometimes I can. So we'll do that. Um, as for the recruitment video, it's on that YouTube page that you should be watching now. It's on the YouTube page. Go check it out. Lots of information there. You can share it with anybody. We'll put that, I think we put that on Facebook, too. We'll make sure that that recruitment video is on our Facebook page as well. So I want to thank uh, Bill Lamagne, as always. Bill? Thanks for hunkering down with us and uh, talking some football. Really appreciate it. Well, it was good. I, it may be the issues with getting on. It just was a, a new virus that started. A new virus. Yes, exactly. Head up. And uh, I, I was, I'm going to put my lay back on, but I don't know if you noticed, the lay had green in it, so then I started to become invisible, so I can't do that. Um, but I want to thank our Hawaiian uh, guest for being with us. Matt Somsey, Matt, I appreciate you taking some time. I hope, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. And just to be on the same screen with Bill, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm gaining some value there. So I'm expecting the networks to be calling any minute. <laughs> All right, there, there you go. ESPN, ESPN expert number two coming, coming your way. Matt, Matt, you might have to give up your NFL gig, though. I don't know if, you, if there is going to be an NFL. We'll see. I mean, oh. we'll, see, we'll see what happens. On the, on the other side of the fake glass over there, we don't have a camera on him today. Robert stole this camera, but we had uh, Alex <laughs> helping us out as usual. I want to thank Alex. Thank you, everybody, once again for pivoting and helping us out. Apologize that the mainstream didn't work, but uh, we got some great football on YouTube. Thank you, YouTube, for being our backup. Until next month, when we get everything figured out again, I'm Tim Kiefer for MIBtownline.com. We'll catch you then. Until then, be safe. Have a good time. Enjoy whatever it is you're going to enjoy. So long, people. Thanks for listening to the MIBTOnline.com podcast. Join today at MIBTOnline.com. We'll catch you next time.